if you had been in this place when Jesus had performed so many miracles, would you have, do you think you would have believed like these people did or not believed? I think we look at these, we read these stories and we think, how is it possible that people witnessed what they witnessed and saw so many lives change and yet they refused to believe? I think some of us can think that that the people had the advantage because they were there at Jesus' time, that, that we're at a bit of a disadvantage. Maybe you feel that way. I love to think that all of us here today, if we witnessed a miracle up here on stage, that we would away believing in Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, that's just not the case. There were people, there were living breathing people who were walking testimonies of the power of God walking among the people that are here in this place. And what does John say? That they refused to believe. They were either unable or unwilling to believe. Eight times in this text, the word believe occurs. And it means it's the same root word as faith, having faith. And it, it means to, to think to be true, to be persuaded of to credit, to place confidence in. And there were those who were either not willing to believe, as verse 38 says, and there were some who were not able to believe, in verse 39. And both, though, though one was not able and one was not willing, both responsible for their choices. Sometimes we can read this and read that prophecy in verse 40 and, 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 and where it seems to describe that it's God's fault that people, who here has ever thought that? Let's be honest. Have we ever thought it's God's fault? But see, what we don't understand, we actually can, can if, we, if we think back to even, even in the time of Exodus, when Israel, back in Exodus, Israel has been in captivity for 400 plus years, and, 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 and they, um, Moses, of course, goes back to, to Egypt, goes to Pharaoh, and what is, in several different times, there's ten different plagues, ten different times Moses goes to them. Sometimes it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Sometimes it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's, a it's, it's both of those things are true, but why is it possible? It's because of the disobedience leading up to the action and to what they witnessed that it happened the way that it did. All the work that did is intended for, for our hearts to be moved and the promise in verse 40 that he references from Isaiah, I would heal them if they would simply turn. The fact of the matter is they were responsible because their hearts were not obedient and they refused to believe. John here returns to his message, very beginning of John. Turn with me, if you will, to the beginning of John. John chapter 1. Because John wrote here, quoting Jesus, uh, in, in John 12, he quoted Jesus, and effectively what Jesus, what he's quoting Jesus is saying is what John wrote in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. John's message never changes. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus says it. It's, it's interesting because as we read the text, 
John comments, and he starts out in verse 37, after Jesus had done these things, miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. And, and just before that, he said that when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Now, some think that these were out of order, that Jesus, Jesus cries out and says what he says, and then the second half where it says that, that he had finished speaking, Jesus left them, unless Jesus came back. We don't know. The point is, Jesus said it. And he's trying to help, he's trying to help these people to change their thinking, change their ways, change their lives. Two main thoughts from the text today. The first is, turn the hearts. Turn the hearts. In verse 40, uh, here, uh, so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. That word turn, uh, in the NIV it says turn, in the New American Standard Bible, it actually uses the word converted. To turn around is, is, the, is the original language. It's the turning of the human will toward God. That was Jesus' goal from the very beginning, was to turn the hearts of the people who had abandoned the heart connection to God. Yes, even the Israelites had abandoned their heart connection to God, though they didn't know it. They had abandoned that connection and needed to repent, needed to be converted. It was the turning of the human will toward God, a return home from blindness and error to God. It's not about where you turned from, but who you turned to. That's the most important thing, that God is who we turn to. Before Christ, for all of us before Christ, and if you're not yet in Christ, this is what Paul writes about all of us before Christ. In Ephesians 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked in the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. This is who we are without Jesus. This is exactly what our lives are, are doomed for without Jesus. That we were dead in our trespasses and sins which we formerly walked. He's talking to Christians here, and he's talking about who they were before. But that's not where we stayed. We, we turned, praise God, by the grace and mercy of God, we turned. We were forced to turn. We were given the option to turn. That's, that's free will. But because of what Jesus did, we get the other side of the coin in Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with us, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is who we get to be if we are Christ. When we turn, this is who we get to be. This is who you are today. How many, I think many of us, I won't ask for, a, for, for you to raise your hand, I don't want anybody to be embarrassed, but I think so many people can doubt this fact. Can walk through life living in this text rather than in this text. 
Because if we're living in this text, we don't feel so bad when we do sin. If, we're think, if we think, well, we're just, I'm just a sinner. I'm just, you know, I'm just this, this person who's unable. Really? If you're a follower of Jesus today, this is not who you are. This is who you used to be. But it's not who you are today. You have turned into this person who has been changed by the grace of God, by His mercy, by His love. We have the opportunity to change and have our hearts turn. Go from darkness to light. That theme is throughout the book of John. He uses it many times. I read it in John 1, verse 5 there. In John 3, verse 19, uh, and is the judgment, the light is coming to the world. People love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. In John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Earlier in John 12, Jesus says a similar thing about, you know, basically make hay while the sun shines. I'm only here for a little while. You only have the light with you for a little while longer. He's trying to get them prepared so they know the call of turning the hearts. You know, there's there are those who are going to hear this message and hear your message when you try to turn the hearts. And some will hear it and accept it. But sad, what we know from Matthew chapter 7 is that, that few will find it. If few will find it, that means few are seeking it for real. Don't get discouraged when 9 out of 10 people tell you no whenever you talk to them about Jesus. Because few will find it. I don't know what a few means, but I know it's a very small number. And, 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 and historically, the number of billions of people that have ever walked the planet, only few will find it. If you're walking with Jesus today, you've been blessed to find it and to be turned. What about those that have not yet had that opportunity? The challenge of turning hearts didn't begin in the first century. We, in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah was known as the evangelical prophet. You know, he began about the time of King Uzziah, who was suffering from leprosy and would eventually die a lonely death. And it, would serve many years under several different kings. And time and again, he gave warning after warning. And, 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 and the nation of Israel refused to repent. And eventually it led them to being, being uh, 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 exiled into Babylon. And, and, and the northern part of the country being taken over. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's our challenge is to respond to Jesus' call of belief. Continue to do what we are doing if you're following Jesus so that people will have the opportunity. But, but just like they turned down Isaiah, they're going to turn you down too. But are you going to persevere and continue to speak the truth even when it's hard? To speak the truth even when people don't want to hear it. To say the hard things to speak the truth and love to your brother and sister in the church, your fellow follower of Jesus who needs to hear the truth, who needs to be helped, full of love, full of kindness, but not, oh, I'm so sorry that you are doing this. 
but rather, brother, I want to help you. But you need to repent. You need to change. This is not, this is not what God did in sending Jesus to the cross for you. Don't take continue to take advantage of that. We need to help we need to help the lost be saved to, to turn. And we know that the work of the Holy Spirit is doing all of that turning. But our job is to get the gospel of Jesus to them. To persevere in Jesus' ministry no matter how people respond. The people here had witnessed Jesus bring people back from the dead. There were people that were lepers that they had they were walking testimonies of Jesus and they didn't believe. What makes you think that they're going to believe you? Unless they see your lie and they hear you and you can invite them cold. I, my, my attitude is we need to have a, a multifaceted approach to what we do as followers. There is no one right answer and one wrong answer. It's that it's that that uh, that 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 Shia LaBeouf, just do it. Just do it. Share with your neighbors. Share at the grocery store. Share with your coworkers. Share with your friends. Share with your family. Share everywhere you go. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Because he desires hearts to be turned toward God. Because we turn toward God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been turned. And so should you help turn so many others. No matter how people respond, whether you get turned away a hundred times, the call is still the same. To turn the hearts. Secondly, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. These people that, that John writes about in verse 42, about some that believe, but they, they, they weren't bold enough, they were too afraid, they would not confess their sin for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. I don't think John is commending these people. I don't believe John is saying, yeah, do it that way. That's people trying to ride the fence. Is this what your Christian life looks like? Just trying to ride the fence. There, there, you know, it's it's impossible for us to say what happened to these folks. But if you think this is a commendation and encouragement for living a midway in between fence lifestyle, let me tell you, that's not what God desires for any of us. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 23, Jesus says, He who is not with me is He who does not gather scatters. You're today and, and you're doing this very thing. And you're just trying to fit Jesus into that thing you call life and Jesus gets the little sliver of that 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 pie, pie chart of your life. If that's what you're trying to do, you're not following Jesus. Because that's not what our lives are meant to be. We're, 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 if, you, if you committed yourself to following Jesus, 
and you committed yourself to following him completely. And that your your pie chart of life, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how to do all that on the notes. Won't, there won't be a picture of this. But the way I picture the pie chart of life is that is that in the middle is God. And that everything else we do is around that. And if we can fit it all in there, as long as God is in the center of it, not the way the world teaches, but the way the Bible teaches. I think too many of us are in danger of this warning that was given to the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, I've come to a different understanding of this as what it was taught to me whenever I was a young disciple because what we usually say is, we got to be hot for God. Which is true. We need to be on fire for God. But that's not what the text says. It says you're either neither hot nor cold. In this area of Laodicea, there were springs. There were fresh springs that were cold that brought refreshment. And there were warm, hot springs that, what does hot water do? Hot water cleanses. So you had hot water that cleansed, that's good water. You had cold water that brought refreshment, that's good water. Lukewarm water is disgusting. Nobody likes lukewarm water. If you're, if you're really thirsty, you don't like lukewarm water. But that's what the description, that's what, that, that's what, come to, you can talk to me about this later, you say, no, that is, no, I don't, it, it, he doesn't actually condemn the hot or the cold. He condemns the lukewarm. He says, be one or the other. He's not, if, and cold doesn't mean you're out because he wouldn't be condemning being out. You understand? What I'm saying, but here's the this is the warning for all of us. Be refreshing and cool. Be hot to help cleanse and bring healing. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm. We've been given transformation. If you're following Jesus today, you've been transformed. That's the life. If you if you're not yet following Jesus, if you're studying the Bible, if you're, if you're trying to figure out what you want to do, or you're visiting with us and you're, and you're not sure about all this, let me tell you, the what Jesus desires is for your life to be transformed. It's the same word used to describe how a butterfly goes from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. How, how that happens, it's metamorphosis, it's complete change from the inside out. That is what it's talking about in Romans chapter 12. Whenever Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed the renewing of your mind so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. If you're following Jesus today, that's what you've been made. If you're not yet following, that's what Jesus wants to make you into. He wants to transform you from the inside out. That's his desire. That's what he's taught in, in John, back in our text in John 12, for the person who hears his words but does not keep them. I don't judge him. I didn't come to judge the world, but there's a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. 
Are you accept what are you accepting in doing that? Are you accepting a mediocre version of a lukewarm Christianity life? That the rest of the Christian world will say, Amen, welcome. But what would Jesus say to you? What would Jesus say about your life? He knows what's going on. He knows the challenges you have. And the list goes on and on. But are you doing what you can? I want to I give you a challenge this week. Sit down with someone and write down what you can do as a Christian. Follower of Jesus. Write down what you can do. Not what you are doing, what you can do. And then commit to doing what you can. And ask someone you trust that will give you spiritual advice. That if you're being too soft on yourself, they'll tell you. If you're being too hard on yourself, they'll tell you. But do what you can for Jesus. And follow Him. The call is the same. The call for the, for, for the followers in Jesus' time, when Je this, this, these are the, the, the challenging call that He's calling people to accept and not reject. The call to follow Him was, was, the, was given in Mark chapter 1, whenever He called the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That idea of following a rabbi meant doing what he said. Doing what he did. They understood at that time because if a rabbi called a, another, a Jewish younger person and they followed him, they would follow and do everything he did. When he, when he was awake, they were awake. When he was asleep, they were asleep. When he ate, they ate. All of those things were true. That's what Jesus is calling us all to. To follow him like that. That, and, 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 you know, Luke 9, denying ourselves, carrying our cross. What did it mean for them at that time to hear that call to carry their cross? It meant death. It meant join the uprising, because that's why people could go to the cross at that time. That many people had witnessed people on the cross. That's what, there is no in-between. You're either with Jesus and doing this, or you're not. There is no in-between. Have you seen for something less? Are you accepting Jesus' teaching? Or are you accepting compromise that the religious world will tell you is fine, but the Bible clearly speaks against? Where do you find yourself today? If you find yourself accepting something less than what Jesus calls you to, let me encourage you and even challenge you to repent to get some help, to talk to someone today that will talk to someone this week that will sit down with you and tell them and, and ask them an honest question. Give me an honest assessment of how you would view my following Jesus. Not for condemnation. We don't need to condemn each other. And this is not what this is about. But Jesus himself says, you either are with me or you're not. If you do not accept my message, if you reject my message, you will be judged by God himself. That very word which I spoke will judge him on the last day. We can either get the help today while we're alive and repent, or we can put our hands in the judgment of God when we die. That sounds a bit morbid, but that's true. Where are you at today? What are you accepting? Are you hearing Jesus' call 
and responding to it with faith and obedience, ask someone to help you. Am I accepting the call of Jesus or have I begun accepting what the religious world accepts? Some lukewarm version of Jesus that's not really following Jesus at all. Jesus is of all or he is not Lord at all. There is no middle ground. We do ourselves God a disservice except less than what Jesus himself accepted from those who would follow him. And he ultimately, after preaching to thousands upon thousands of people, had very few followers of Jesus. Depending on who you ask, 150, maybe up to upwards of 500. But there weren't many. But because of Jesus' hard teaching, those few followers, those few followers, there's hundreds of thousands of disciples of Jesus today. And here we are 2,000 years later, able to talk freely about this and call people to follow Jesus and study the Bible with people to help them follow Jesus. That's because of this radical call, because of this great challenge. We feel unable. I feel unfit. And I know my sinful nature. And I know the battle that's going on in all of our hearts. I don't know your battle. I know my battle. And God knows your battle as well. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus to do what He would do just days after this story right here. We need Jesus. We needed Jesus to go to the cross and to meet Him every day in our lives. That's who we're turning to. That's who we're turning others to. Are you going to accept the challenge to turn the heart? Are you going? Are you going? Sorry, I lost my place. Just flip to the next slide. There's no in between. There's no middle ground. What are you going to do today? Let's live our lives turning hearts, living hot for Jesus, bringing refreshment as well. Let's live that way on the peninsula. Amen, church. Let's all stand and sing.